I'm James Zug, and this is Outside of the Glass. Outside of the Glass is brought to you by SquashProShop.com, our source for equipment for racquetball, badminton, paddle tennis, and of course squash. They carry a great selection of squash equipment from all the top manufacturers at the lowest prices. Rackets and shoes, balls and bags, goggles and grips, they've got it all, and they offer fast and free shipping on orders over $25. For the best selection, prices, and service on the internet, visit squashproshop.com. Last March, I was in Yorkshire, and I popped over to Pontefract to visit with Malcolm Wilstrop. Malk's a legendary squash coach. He's been coaching for over 50 years and has mentored thousands of kids. Malcolm and I went out and had lunch. Then he took me into a betting shop because he wanted to make uh, play some bets on some of the events at the Cheltenham Festival. And I joined in and, and uh, made some bets uh, on an Arsenal-Barcelona Champions League match and uh, England versus India cricket match. Uh, we then went back to the squash club and sat and watched the, the cricket match. Uh, I ended up losing uh, those wagers, uh, all three of them, uh, entirely. Um, so he was right. Don't bet with your heart. Uh, anyway, we, we had a wonderful conversation, told some great stories about his uh, best win and, uh, and worst loss. And so here's, uh, here's our conversation. Do you remember the first time you made a bet? Uh, well, my father used to bet, so he'd come home, and in those days, I mean, you, when you think how old I am, like six months each way, which is like, I can't remember how much six months, this is like a penny or something, yeah. anyway, but that, he would have six months each way in a bet, and I, I used to join him with that, and I remember winning eight pounds something when I was about eight years old. That was a lot of money back then. On football. On football? And I mean, I used to go down to York races, York race course, before the big meeting, and watch the horses work out with the mistrising. In August, with some coming up, I love I love the horse and the whole experience. So I was hooked. I got one. I had no chance. I was never given a chance. Would I? I, was, I was steeped in it from a very early age through my dad. Yeah. And my mum used to take me racing as a kid, and I played truant from school to go racing. Then I worked in racing. It's, it's a lovely sport. The people in it are lovely as well. When you go around the stables, which I've been a lot. They love the horse. They don't talk about betting or winning. They talk about he's a beautiful jumper. Or he's not in there. I'm going to back England to beat the West Indies. Yeah, I'll do that too. Well, can I? I, I mean, I do, can I suggest that if you do that, if you fancy the West Indies, oh, yeah. top that up with Barcelona to beat Arsenal. I want Arsenal to beat Barcelona. Oh, they will. And so yeah, but, but it's my team. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got to support my team. Sorry, but they might win. They could win. Have you watched I've seen Barca play. They are special. 
So you never bet with your heart? You never bet like... I would try not to because it doesn't work, does it? You, you can't do it. Yeah. You're trying to make it pay. No, I don't. No, I, don't. I think I bet largely for entertainment. So on a Saturday, if I'm free, I'll have an area of bets that cover various things. Like rugby, mm. And then through the day, I'm entertained. So if I stake 150 quid and come back with 120, I've You've 30 quid worth of fun. I go out for a meal to say it's going to be more. All right, let's do my bets now. So I want to I, I want to do the football and the yeah. cricket. Yeah. Okay. So you have to. Is it cricket on there? No, we'd have to. It's not on here. So what do you want? You want to back Arsenal? Yeah, I want to back Arsenal. Uh, what do you? So should to I do win the, or to draw? To win or draw? What do you think? Well, Could I do both? A five and eight. So if they have any chance, that's worth it. Because you draw. make a decent profit both. Oh, you yeah. have a little bit on the win and yeah. something on the draw. Okay. So, so how? Yeah. So, good. To draw and to win. Okay. Nine to one to win. So what stake would so, you like? So, so do I put like ten quid on each? Okay. That's right. Twenty altogether. Yeah. So if I if they if they win, I would get ninety. If one if you if they draw, you'll get sixty, and if they win, you get a hundred back. <laughs> it's a good bet, right? Well, it's on television, so you can watch it. It's on BT. Yeah. Sports. And then cricket. Now, what are you doing? Are you doing the cricket as well? I've done the cricket, yeah. What did you do? I backed England to beat West Indies. I think England are quite good at it's a twenty. It's a 2020. And it's almost so 2 o'clock. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How much did you put on it? I put 20 quid on it. I'll put 10. They're, they're, they're only short, so... It, what were the odds? They're Straight up. 8 to 13, so you won't, won't win much, but it'll give you a bit of interest. Yeah, exactly. She can read her handwriting. They can because they get it regularly. Pens are useless Because my handwriting is even worse than yours, Malcolm. It's the, I can write with decent pens with these things. So you want 30 quid on that? Okay. So when I came out of there, um, so you were young, I, I, right? I was, still? yeah, young, yeah, twenty, yeah, twenty-one or so, and I, and then I'd always racing, had a love. So there was a job advertised at Time Form, which is the foremost publication probably in the world, certainly in this country. I mean, it's, it's world world renowned, mm -hmm. and and I applied, and the founder of Time Form was a very famous man called Phil Bull, who was like. He was a first-class maths graduate from Leeds Grammar School. I mean, in racing parlance, he was like legendary. And he was the boss of time form. And I went to Halifax, where, it, where it's on your way to Manchester, Halifax, where David lives. And for an interview, there was only one job, but he, he took on two people. One called Reg Griffin and myself. Reg Griffin ultimately became the chairman of the company. And, and he started with uh, you. Instrumental in a massive charity day that's run at York every year that's raised five million for charity. And Reg um, was instrumental in that and was a great close friend of Jim McGrath, who I mentioned to you in the thing with mm -hmm. Jim McGrath. So they employed me as well. I mean, obviously, I think he was first choice. And then I started, I was there for two years writing. You would go racing, 
and then you'd get the race cards that Phil Bull had been racing when he'd been racing, and he'd write comments on the horses, looked well, you know, needed the race, whatever, yeah. and then you would transpose those, and also you'd write your own if you went racing into um, into comments, like so each horse had that much written about it, and the the, the book was published, updated every week, mm -hmm. so you know this horse ran second over this trip and so on, so you you get those every day, and you then they produce race cards on the day, and then the black book is the one where every horse is there with a write-up about it breeding what it's doing what it's running its train and everything so that's what i did comment right for those that's what i was doing for two years for two years now i used to go racing a lot had some great times some great uh, i was is a it, member of the press so i was in the journalist yeah. box at york with all the famous people and i got to know lester piggott's um, then wife very well. She used to tell us when Lester was fancying one. You you got to know a lot as well. And then at the end of those two years, or, or towards the end, there was a job going, um, I was looking to advance in racing with Lester Pickett's father-in-law, Sam Armstrong in Newmarket as his racing secretary. So you would do the entries and so on. And I fancied that. So I applied and I went down to Newmarket and spent two weeks with him. I met Lester, who was, you know, a complete legend, and, and spent two weeks there. And then when I came back, that's when the headmaster of St. Peter's rang me. And he heard I was between jobs. Well, I'd just met my then-to-be first wife, who was in York, and I fell for it, because teaching was something I'd always thought had half in mind. Yeah. So there I was, and I was, suddenly then I was in teaching, and so that's how that's how that happened. Otherwise, I might still have well been in racing. I've never lost my racing contacts with with the sport because I, I, I follow it every day. I, I, I've raced everywhere, nearly every race course. York being my home, that's top class racing there. I go there every year, at least once or twice. I've been round Henrietta Knight, John Joe Neal's stables there, two of the top trainers and most famous people in racing. And I get my first Christmas card every year from John Joe Neal. He's, he's a legend in, in jumping racing. And the people in racing, by and large, are as good as any people I've met in any, in any profession, I think. So how did you get in, into squash originally? Like, right, well, I played were squash. Were you playing yeah, at yeah, school? Yeah, I played at school, yeah. We had, court, we had a court. Do you remember the first time you played when you were, first, were you two? Uh, Oh, no. You were two years you, old. If you started at 10 or 11, then you were pretty good. I mean, that was late then. Um, when, if you're not good at 11 now, you can forget it if you want to be really good. I mean, you have to be like Sam Todd to be if you want to be really good. I mean, you can start the game anytime, but if you, you can't start late now if you want to be good. It's impossible. All the top players you don't think you, can, you don't think you can start at 15? No way. Absolutely no chance. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. No yeah. chance. Yeah. How could you catch up Sam Todd? Hey, he's a genius. Secondly, He's got so much background, you wouldn't even believe it. He's been to TOC twice, he's been to Commonwealth Games, he's won the US Open, he's travelled the world, he's watched all the best players, he's spoken to Shabana, he's had James and Lee around him here. And where do you get that from? You can't possibly do that. And then he can, the kid can play as well, but you, the background is what matters, so no chance. 15, I wouldn't have cut him, not a hope in hell. You might become good, but you're never going to be that good. No. No chance. So you want to be good by about eight if you're going to be mm. top notch yeah and you know, the earlier they start the better because it's a game you can handle from an early age anyway they can. play for fun enjoyment like any other sport and then if you're going to be good you know pick it out and do more of it it's as simple as that isn't it 
not everybody is going to play professionally. It doesn't matter. The game caters for everybody, doesn't That's it? That's right. It caters for people on exercise, caters for people on fun, a good run round, caters for leagues. You can play competitively. You've got tournaments if you're good. You've got a professional career if you're very good. So it didn't like one one area of society or playing. I mean, there was a good instance at the reception one day. The lady saying to the receptionist. Um, um, I was wondering if my son's um, old enough to start playing sports, he's eight. So I said, I'm sorry, it's too late. <laughs> so, I mean, so, uh, so when you do first play, at so. St. Peter's York, there was a court. It was mm. a one court. A converted fives court, you know, fives yeah, yeah, play the hand, right? Yeah. It's a converted court. When you look at it now, you wonder how you ever played on it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It was on the corner of the cricket field. But we used to Was queue. it open air? or No, no, it was enclosed. We used to queue to get that court. I can remember the, the, the court list would be put up and there was a queue to get your name on it. And it, the school. For a half an hour? Or school an was very point? famous for cricket. I mean. St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a cricket school. Um, with great history and England captains and various things. And, I mean, it was good at all things, but it was a wonderful school academically and every other way, but it had a strong cricket reputation. But then, then um, this one court, only one, like court. one court, and it was a five score. Yeah. And then so we, it was, the wrong, it was the wrong size. Be everything wrong about it, but that's why. In, I the, in the side walls, well, yeah, no, 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 that's where I thought playing angles was a good idea, and I only learned later that probably wasn't a very good idea. But I, I'm quite good at them because I, that's what you thought was clever. And then we played matches against a school called Barnard Castle. Barnard Castle with a Lansing were the best in the early years. Then Barnard Castle, where Brian Patterson, mm -hmm. Brian, he oh, was yeah. there. Yep. And so, and then. Gresham's became and but but St Peter's we beat Barnard Castle one one and we'd never beaten them before and I was at the headmaster with the one court this was later when I was okay. this okay. was later when I was teaching and um, uh, I was at the head's house having dinner and when they beat them it was like you know we'd won the World Cup to beat Barnard Castle at, at squash it was like so had so much status and um, how funny but that, so then I played there and we had a good teams and I yeah, became quite good you you beginning to get tournaments were beginning to happen a little bit in Yorkshire and mm. things were building up the game was taking a little bit of shape didn't really happen until Jonah came along but it was taking shape and then obviously then so you, did you play in junior tournaments did you no, travel somewhere think, to no, play in not that? like today yeah, you know, the opportunities weren't there but there was the old tournament now and again and then when I went back you never played in the Drysdale Cup in the British Junior Open. No, I didn't know. No, it was at the RSC That was down in London, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too far I mean, away. I've taken players there from Wayne Briars, Christie, my eldest got to the final there. Briars won it at the RSC Club. So I, when I was teaching later at Gresham's, that's where I went down to the, to the RSC Club. But, but when I, you were a schoolboy now. There was so much awareness. No, you no. Were just the old school match, really, was what you, you dealt with. Uh, school in Hull, Heimers was strong as well. So we had like these matches. We had, we had some good players, and we became pretty good. And then... Was uh, the ball the same, or was it a oh, no, bigger? It funny, I don't know, I can't remember, really. It just used to, I don't know, bounce around, I don't know. I don't know, and then courts would sweat and all sorts because of the weather. Yeah. There was no, no warming, there was no heating, circulation. No. So you, it was all a bit of a lottery. And then we, um, and then when I when I left, when I went back to teach there, that's when I started coaching then. And by then they'd built two more courts away from there, down near one of the other houses. So the two, the two new courts were there. And my in my very first year, Ian Robinson, who played for England yep. at the old times, and right. he's still involved in 
Surrey, Sussex area, and um, he was in my very first crop of players. Oh yeah. And Joe Richardson, who runs the South African Knights Tour still, yeah, solicitor in London. He was a very good player, not quite in standard, but he's involved in squash now, running, he organises the South African Knights Tour every year. So Is that the, every the, year? The, oh. Every, well, it's three years, years, two years. Yeah. So those were the two main players that came out of that era. And then from there, I went to university, from St. Peter's to Durham, and I, the game was beginning to accelerate now, and I, after one year, I was in charge of the Durham squash. Uh, what were the courts like at Durham? Uh, they were not bad. There were two courts between two fives courts there on the race course. Rugby or Eden fives? Uh, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Eden fives. That's the hand, isn't it? One's with, what's with the, the buttress. buttresses and No, Eden. not the buttress. The rugby then. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. and then um, the game was beginning to accelerate and I was... I ran it because I was 27, remember, so I was in charge of UAU, the England squash team. We toured London, I remember, in a match Jonah played in. Um, things were enlarging. Yeah, I got to the final of the British Universities Championship. I got to the final of the UAU as a, as a player twice. Uh, Durham won the university's title. Ian Nuttall was there. He played one for England. Joe Richardson joined me. He came to Durham um, from there on my say so as well because he'd been rejected. He's a top bloke. And he played cricket for England under 19. And um, another Richard Harding, who was son of a housemaster, came. So there were two boys from St Peter's who then joined me in the team at, mm. at, um, at Durham. And we, we, in our last season there, we played 46 matches and won them all. 46 matches and one 46 more. 46 five, five, five guys five strings five 46 strings. matches 46 pens. and I think one right near the end was like 3-2 and life or death and it was like life and death to think you know <laughs> lose it close to home and then the, by then you had we were playing in the leagues Durham League Northumberland League the leagues were getting stronger Jonah, you guys played Jonah, 46 Jonah, matches Jonah was oh. about Jonah was around as well yes this was so, in the 60s and, and he yeah. released the game of course Jonah Barrington is why this place exists I mean he never why? gets credit well because he suddenly made people aware of the game because he became a name and the, the game became famous in this country because of him and yeah. then it lost its public school yeah. officers mess roots so you then got ordinary people playing which was good which in this country tennis has never done never will even now. It's a middle class game no that's why we've no players all our players Andy Murray uh, Tim Henman, uh, all they all come from middle class families. You know, mm. you'll never get anybody off the streets playing tennis in. Where you do with squash now? There's nobody. There's nowhere to play in Pontefract. Playing no, If you play tennis, there's nowhere to play. So we've had two world number one <laughs> racket players here in this club from Pontefract, and if you want to play tennis, there's nowhere to play. So we offered the Lawn Tennis Association. I wrote to the man Crowler, who was the chief of it, to build a tennis centre next to the squash down mm. the back. Next and, to the badminton. Yeah, and he, they came to see us, and we said there's no courts for anywhere in, in Pontefract. We're a recognised centre of excellence. You know, you, you'll be attached to that immediately. And, the, and you have and nice they, dressing when, rooms. And we've got a lovely place. <laughs> and then when you think they've got 30, they get 30 or 40,000 from Wimbledon alone. That's right. And um, they said they would put in half, uh, it would cost half a million, a million to build. So they would put in half a million. If Mick would put in half a million. Where to get that from? We're offering you a facility, and I did it again about two years later. Same response. So if you're a kid in Pontefract, can't play tennis unless your parents will drive you to Leeds and then pay like forty quid an hour for coaching. You've had it. So no ordinary kid can play. 
that's wrong. And that's why we've no depth of player. We've got these outstanding old individuals, but they're but all middle-class families yeah. supported by the families with a tennis background. That's no good, is it? That's not a way sport should So what, tell me the first time you saw Jonah play. It was in that um, match at... That, um, in that match for for English universities, he was like the, the big star and the big name, and he played. Uh, was this when he was at Trinity College? No, in, in no, you know, well, no, I don't think so. He was playing then, so okay. um, he, he lived in Birmingham, Solihull area. So um, he played in that match anyway. And I remember having dinner, sitting around afterwards with him, and then in later years, I mean, I tried to ring him the other day because he hadn't been very well. I mean. I, we all went to stay with him at his house in Glastonbury as a family and at a chalet we stayed in and I played cricket on the lawn with Joey and and I went running with Madeline, his wife was not well now, she was an Olympic runner. Mm. She was obviously testing me out to see whether Christie had the required stamina to see whether you know the genes were right. And I mean, when I came round the last bend, I was fit, but there's a bloody hill that steep and she was an Olympic runner, I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, I must sort of hobble up it. I don't know. She was very impressed, but so well, I've always been very close with Jonah. He's yeah. been up here and did a, a day. I keep trying to get him to come up again, but Madeline is wheelchair bound, I think, and so he has a heavy time. Yeah. Um, he's a great guy, a wonderful, wonderfully articulate, um, great writer. He's just a great mm. bloke altogether. I mean, what he achieved is immense. We owe everything to him for liberating our game and. And as a person, I've got great respect for him. And so you just said you guys went 46 and nothing. Yeah. What What is your your own worst loss as a as a player? As a player, like a loss that you even now remember. I remember serving out twice on match ball in a, when I was deteriorating in a low, playing for Leeds Metro League here, and I served out twice on match ball and lost. And the was that when you're playing captain, in a playing the bloke nine? who ran the team, who I still give hell to because he comes in regularly. And he dropped me for that. And I said, that's the only time I've ever been dropped in my life. You were the only I was saying in front of people. You, this is the man who dropped me. The only time I've ever been dropped in my life. And I, it was because he, he said, why, were you, why did you serve out on match ball twice? Twice? So I said, I was thinking about Leslie. And apparently then he put a bloke in the team who's been a very successful businessman, but was really boring. So I said, not only did he drop me, he put a really boring bloke in as well. <laughs> Because you might, you might not be winning matches, no, but you're well, fine at least. I'm a bit more interested. Well, I'm, I'm probably not very interested, <laughs> but I'm better than that bloke, I think. Except he's worth a fortune and I'm skinned. That's the difference. So they were, they were you know, those those the early memories. And I've always, we've always, I spoke to him not long ago, and I, he's had singles recently, so I wanted, I got the number off Joey. I, was, I rang him, but I couldn't get through the other day, so he's on my list to ring. Mm. And he's a great fellow. You meet people like that, don't you? Yeah, that's right. And, Very dynamic. You know, they've got, he's got charisma, that bloke. When he walks into a room, somehow, I don't know what charisma is. Well, I do, because I saw Judy Garland live, and she that was the most charismatic thing I've ever seen in my life. In Leeds, she appeared at the Grand. And Singing. I, and they said, did I want to go and see her? And I went, oh, yeah. But I wasn't like, yeah. You were I'll saying, say, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. And when I went, I couldn't believe you've never seen such charisma in the woman. She came on and just overtook everything. And at the end, the whole place stood up as one and roared its approval. Mm. Just like as one, because it was so... Moving. She just took, just 
charisma. I just don't know what it is, but that woman had it. More, I've seen loads of top artists, lots mm. of actors. She was the most charismatic person. But Jonah has it as well. He he walks like an old man, but if he comes in here, he's still got it. I say when I see him and Hunt together, I saw them together once. And Jeff's a great bloke. I said, it's good when I see you two, because look at you, neither of you can hardly fucking walk, and I'm still moving about like a demon here, with a younger girlfriend as well. <laughs> so I get my mileage out of them, they may be a bit better player than I would. Slightly. Slightly, yeah. Jeff's well, you, a lovely man. Jeff, you, went, you went 46 Jeff, an hour. You, you Jeff, Jeff, yeah, but Jeff's, <laughs> yeah, but that was just a team job, wasn't it? Jeff's, Jeff Hunt's a lovely man. So modest and unassuming. Mm. Like Shabana there. Top sportsmen are like that. I love those type of men that, Confident. that, that are like that. They're yeah. modest and unassuming. Yeah. Shabana's, I told Shabana the other day when I was talking to him, I said, I tell my kids to watch you. I said, you're a great bloke. You're a great player. I've got great respect for you. Because you should tell people that, yep. shouldn't you? Be positive. Tell people if you love them That's or right. if, you, if they've got something good and I get, they give you pleasure, I tell them. I don't, I think you should tell people, shouldn't you? So things shouldn't be left unsaid if you feel them strongly enough, particularly in terms of affection and what you owe them or what you glean from them. Outside the Glass would like to thank our sponsor, squashproshop.com. And especially our producer, Grant Irving, 